0: knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is gonna be David in this shadow. Goliath is gonna be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it Doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's gonna kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death?
1: Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is our first episode of the new year, so kind of excited about that. And I'm Colleen Sharp, and have my co-host here, Ashley Glassick. And you're back because you were gone. You were out of town for
2: yeah, yeah. I went to Portland, Oregon, for um, the weekend. I I graduated. I got my my master's finally. Um, so that was exciting, and oh, I really exciting. I love the Pacific Northwest. It's like my favorite part of the country, um, and so we just—it was cold, but it was really—I mean, it was cold. You know, we're we're from California, so it was pretty cold for us. Um, but we we just had a lot of fun. Um, I feel like being in Portland, like you feel like you need to go home and probably be brewing your own kombucha or like making granola or something. Cause Portland's right. just so, <laughs> it's so crunchy up there. Um, but I love it. I, I really, I really enjoy it. So.
1: It's, it's really beautiful there when, let's see, it was la- summer 2015. We, we drove in our motorhome to Southern California and then spent some time with family. And then we drove up the whole entire coast and nice. through California, through Oregon, up to Seattle. And Oregon and Washington were beautiful. I loved Seattle. I mean, it's really, really nice, nice area. And they get a little bit of snow up there in Portland. I mean, it's yeah. not, it's not really bad. It's like just a little bit. I yeah, remember.
2: it was like 30 the whole time we were there. So it was like cold, but not like below zero. So,
1: so actually there was an interesting discussion. I guess it started last night in the group with a post and in view of our topic today, and we have some big news we'll be announcing before our topic in a second, but In view of our topic, I thought it kind of does fit into kind of, it was from the 1950s home economics book. And I think probably a lot of people have seen these things that go around the web, um, go around social media. And it's tips to look after your husband. I won't read the whole thing, but it's probably similar to things other people may have seen. It's things like, you know, make yourself look nice before your husband comes home. Have dinner ready. The house picked up.
2: Quiet the kids.
1: Yes, quiet the kids. Fix your makeup. Uh, you know, different, different of those sorts of things. And the the thing about this, and this is kind of my perspective. I don't think everything on the list is a bad thing at all. Right. You know, if you're If you're um, a stay at home mom and your husband's working all day, it's good to have the house straightened up when he comes home or try to have dinner at the same time or those sorts of things. But I think that this list in its entirety really, for some women, I think it it hit them kind of where they were reactionary against it. And Mm -hmm. some women were more like, but these are good things. And I'm kind of in the middle, you know, like, yeah, some of these things are good things but I think maybe the focus on some of them is wrong. I don't know. What do you think?
2: Well, and I think we have to remember that that's like a cultural thing that in the 50s, that wasn't that wasn't coming from like a biblical perspective. It was just literally what housewives were supposed to be in the 50s. And so it's like if we take that and then hold it up to like what we actually see in scripture, um, I think there probably are some overlaps um, when it comes to like respecting your husband that can mean, you know, making sure dinner's ready or um, the house is clean and things like that. Um, I think you can't make a law out of it, you know, like this is what it should be. And I I think that's kind of what was going on in the 50s. Um, But I, I think those are helpful, you know, tips that you can take or leave, you know. Right. I don't think we should be, I think people take it kind of personally because they're not doing some of the things on the list and they're feeling like, you know, whoever's posting it is saying you should be doing all these things, you know? Um, So I I think that's why people react strongly against it. But I think it's kind of, I thought it was kind of funny. And then you kind of look at it and you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's helpful. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Not not so much that one, but you know. um, Yeah.
1: I think for, I was, I think things have changed since I got married, and I I had talked to you about this before, where I think a lot of people and a lot of my friends, their moms had gone back to work, you know, their grandmas didn't work, their moms did work, they they really wanted to be able to stay home with their children, and so that was, we did hear some of those sorts of things, and for me, I had this idea, this kind of perfect idea in my head of, being the perfect wife, being the perfect mom, doing all these things, making my husband happy. And one thing that happened is that it, my ideas were not completely realistic. Uh, having four kids, I could not keep the house clean perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not always get dinner on the table at 530 or, you know, different things like that. My husband, in no way, had expectations of me to to live up to this perfect ideal I had in my head. Um, And I think the other thing is, is for different, different husbands might have different things that are important to him. So every family is gonna be different also. So, you know, one husband may say, you know what, I I really want to be able to eat dinner at six and have the kids in bed by eight so I can have some time with you. That might be, you know, so don't stress about the house put, put that second to this over here or okay. you know, so I think every couple is different too and needs to kind of make the wise decisions for their family. Yeah. I, I, de- I mean, some of the things on the, you, there was kind of this attitude with the kids, like they should be seen and not heard and they should look <laughs> good, you know, just yeah. put just nice clothes on your kids before your husband comes home, which I think my husband would say, doesn't that create more laundry for you? Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: you know what, though? I was having a conversation with a friend. This is a little bit off topic, but she was talking about how in our modern day, we make the kids the center of the universe and that how that's not really good for them. And so I'm not a big fan of kids should be seen, not heard because they're kids. But I do think the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction where everything is centered around what the kids are doing. And there needs to be some balance there where it's not all about them and they need to know it's not all about them. Wouldn't that, you agree?
1: Oh, I agree with you hundred percent. And I actually have, I have two friends whose parents and they're younger friends and their parents divorced as soon as the last kid left the nest because huh. life had centered so much around. And, and these friends would say life centered so much around us as kids. My parents just didn't have much of a relationship outside of us yeah, and, and that's not good either. You know, my, my kids are starting to leave home and my husband and I are all excited. We're going to go travel together and do a whole bunch of, of different things. But I think that's that's actually a really, a really good point. Well, we're going to be talking probably in more detail because we're going to be talking about Mommy Wars today. But for those who are not in our Facebook group and, and don't follow us on social media, Ashley has some pretty big news that I wanted her to share.
2: Yeah, so I am about four and a half months pregnant, so pretty excited. And, you know, we've recorded a few times, actually quite a few times since I've been pregnant, um, but I kind of kept it under wraps for, for a few months. Um, yeah, so I've known since September. So, yeah, I think it's, <clears throat> we wanted to announce that before. Before we do our Mommy Wars episode, because you are a mom with grown kids, and I am a mom-to-be, so we're kind of in these two different life stages, Um, so we just have different views on things
1: and And I would say, too, that one thing I've noticed just in watching you go through this, and one reason why we decided to do this episode is all the pressures that yes. young moms are facing young pregnant women are facing because of social media so well why don't we go to commercial real quick and then we'll we'll come back and and we're gonna we're gonna talk about talk about this topic and I know um this is going to be a little bit more for the for the women we know we have some Some guy listeners and do want to let you know we have some really good topics coming up we're going to be doing law and gospel and the law and we're even going to do an a a, an episode on finances so Mm. that's going to be so we have a lot of things and if you have any episode topic suggestions please email us at theologygals at gmail.com we always like the suggestions so we'll go to a quick break and and come right back
0: this podcast is a member of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. All right, welcome everybody to another podcast
1: episode with Semper Refermanda Radio. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals.
2: Welcome everyone to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast.
0: Well, welcome to School of Biblical Hermeneutics. Welcome everybody to grappling with Theology.
2: What is going on, guys? Shine as Lights coming
0: at you. Well, welcome to Slick Answers. Good evening, and welcome to Conversations from the Porch. Price of solid rock I stand. Hello and welcome to Living in the Vine. This is the Council of Google. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Podcast. The Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. 12 podcasts, one network. Check them out at BibleThumpingWingnut.com.
1: So, Ashley, when you first found out that you were pregnant and started telling people, did you get any, like, are you gonna have a natural birth? Are you gonna have a home birth. You're going to your kids, you know, are you going to schedule feed or demand feed? I mean, were you hit with some of those things?
2: Uh, I wasn't in real life. Um, <laughs> I was only hit with that on social media and I was a little bit overwhelmed by that, but honestly, all my real life friends, um, never said anything. you know it's just exciting and I do think it's more of a social media thing to like let's just talk about all of our um, preferences and and focus on those a lot. Um, and not that I don't talk about those with my real life friends, but it's not at the forefront, I guess. So but yeah, I mean I did I did come across it. I was shocked right away. Um, oh wow there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> and I'm like six weeks pregnant. <laughs> you know? So,
1: and I, I think actually that's a really good point that you hit it more on social media because I, I mean, when I, I got pregnant with my first child, almost, we've actually found out New Year's Eve day uh, 22 years ago. And hmm. I, I didn't know that people, that there were things like, anti-vaxxers or i mean i think my oldest child was like two when i heard someone say we're not vaccinating our children you know and i didn't know that people had really strong views on demand or schedule feed well actually that's not true i'll clarify that in in just a second um but there You know, some people had their babies at home, not as many, I don't think. Some people had their babies in the hospital. If you got an epidural, it wasn't a huge deal. But I've noticed even when people will share their birth stories and that sort of thing, I've had a couple instances where I kind of felt a little bit judged because I got an epidural. You know, someone (laughs) says, "Well, I would never get an epidural because blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Like, you know, and so I th- I think I think part of it is social media and the internet. I mean, I didn't have the internet in my home until 1998. And you know, there was no social social media out there, but I think that this has caused a lot of of pressures for women.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's <clears throat> today we're dealing with pressures that um your generation didn't didn't necessarily deal with. And I I mean, I think we've kind of done it to ourselves because we've put our whole lives on social media for people to dissect and disagree with. And um, so we've kind of put ourselves in this situation, but it, it's like every little thing you do throughout the day could be broadcasted on social media. And so it leaves a lot of room for people to tell you you're doing something wrong you know, or you need to do it this way.
1: Right. Or here's my opinion on such and such a thing. You know, here's why I believe every parent should vaccinate their child. Here's why I think no parent should vaccinate their child. And I think one of, one of the difficult things, because we'll talk about distinguishing between things which are Christian liberty and things which are biblical. But Uh I think that's one of the problems is that, and I was going to mention this when. When I had my first child, there was a parenting program that was very popular in churches, and it was called Preparation for Parenting. There's some people might know Growing Kids God's Way, um, and I was really thrown off guard because this took things, which I believe are actually things of liberty, and made them Christian. It is mm-hmm. God's way to schedule feed your baby. It is God's way to let your baby cry out. It is God's way... And I was just really thrown off. And I'm like, well, you know, if you want a schedule feed, that's fine. But I'm not sure (laughs) that saying that you can find a scriptural scriptural argument to say that this is for sure God's way. And and I see the same thing with the vaccine debate on one side. um, So the argument would be on either side that God's entrusted children to us and we need to make the best decision for that for that child and one side would say, and the best decision is obviously vaccinating your child. And the other side would say the best decision is absolutely not vaccinating your child. And I think sometimes that line gets blurred where each side looks at the other side and says, you're not doing the best thing for your child, for Uh these children that God has entrusted you with. And that judgment I think is very, very difficult. I mean, I would have had a really difficult time as an early mom we have had people like judging me and and whatever decision you make, whether you vaccinate or don't vaccinate, someone will judge you for it.
2: Right. Yeah. Media. It it almost gets to the point where you're like, I think I'd rather just not talk about it. You know, like my husband and I have our own decisions to make about this baby. And we're going to make decisions about all of those things you just mentioned, you know, vaccines. Um, how do you feed not sleep treating like home birth hospital birth all those things and it's almost like I don't really want to discuss them with with I mean I want to discuss them with people who I'm close with and I know but I feel like the internet is not somewhere where I <laughs> want to discuss those things at all because uh, people just are so crazy with their opinions
1: Yeah, well, let's let's talk for a second, because I think this is really central to the conversation. Let's talk for a second about distinguishing between those things which are Christian liberty and those things which are biblical. Well, let me actually give it a, a definition of Christian liberty. Christian liberty can mean that Christians are freed to respect in respect to such activity that is not expressly forbidden in the Bible. So it's not forbidden to schedule feed your baby, and it's not forbidden to demand feed your baby. Just as an example, but now, now what what the Bible does say is that you are to raise your children in the Lord, and what that means is that you are to have your children at church on Sunday and be praying with them and teaching them Scripture and preaching the gospel to them. Those things are biblical. What are what are some
2: things that are in the Christian Liberty camp. Like like home birth, hospital birth, birthing center, like <clears throat> there has been a I feel like a swing towards more natural birth, um which I think is great, but I think like people like me who are going to have a hospital birth sometimes can feel a little like well, like not judged, but just a sense of like you know, a lot of people feel like I'm not doing the right thing. Um but really where you feel most comfortable birthing is where you should birth and um, you should have good reasons for why you want to do it that way. But it's not, it's not scriptural. It's not like there's somewhere in the Bible that's going to make it seem like home births are better or hospital births are better. It's really, it's really just a preference thing, a Christian liberty thing.
1: Well, and I think you have to make wise decisions. And so for me, somebody who has a a problem with my blood and birth is dangerous for me it is unwise it was unwise for me to have a home birth
2: um, yeah.
1: and so so we do weigh wisdom into these decisions that it it's that sometimes there there is a decision that is is wiser for you and in right. your family so I gave I gave kind of an example that for me having se- having complications in in childbirth that that it was wise for my husband and I to to choose to have a, a hospital birth. It was dangerous actually for me to not have a hospital birth.
2: Right. And so that's you. That's not. Like it's not like a verse in scripture that's telling you to do that. It's just you guys taking what you know and making the best decision you can. That's and that's using wisdom. And for and that could look totally different for another person. Um, but for you, that does make the most sense why you would choose to do a hospital birth. So okay.
1: another one, let's say that that you're between living by a schedule and not living by a schedule if if you're a mom that's working a schedule might actually you you might decide to use a schedule because that is a better decision for you and your family because you need to have a little bit more of a routine than maybe the mom that's staying home you know Uh and I'm not saying that if you're working, you have to have a schedule, but those, that would be an example, another example of looking at your family situation and making a decision together with your husband, the best decision for your family.
2: Yes. Yeah. And I, I just think there's, there's this pressure to go with what everyone is doing at the time. Like if everyone around you is having their kids and, training them up in a certain specific way, you feel pressured. Um, And I think we'll eventually do an episode on schooling, but I think it's kind of like homeschooling, like feeling like I need to homeschool because literally every single person around me is homeschooling. Like if I don't homeschool, I'll be the weird one. Um, Because if that would be me in my situation, I don't know anyone who's not homeschooling. Um, And so... You know me. I I, Okay, yes, (laughs) but you did homeschool for... um but i mean it's just like we shouldn't make decisions because that's what the common thought is and that's what everyone around you is doing it these things should be really sought out um and you should use wisdom and if someone makes a decision that's outside of what most people are doing they shouldn't have to feel judged or bad like oh i did do demand feeding and everyone else is like, no, that's wrong. Or I did do um, just something different that maybe isn't as popular right now. But I feel like all those things ebb and flow too. Like what's popular now won't be in 10 years in terms of how to raise your kids.
1: Oh, just since I had my first children, I've watched things change so much. Um, You, you're pregnant and another gal, the admin group is pregnant and you know when when you guys have said I guess I'm not supposed to eat this and I'm like really I guess you know I'm not supposed to eat lunch meat and I'm like oh I I ate lunch meat when I was pregnant I guess that's a new thing (laughs) yeah Um, but I think one of the problems and I won't get into this real deep because we are going to do an episode on education but is making something there are a lot of people who think that homeschooling is the only option the only scriptural option i i actually don't believe that even though i was a homeschooling mom but for my husband and i and we were going to homeschool all the way through i got very sick i mean in one i think between Jan, january and may of one year i was in the hospital something like 15 times and oh. then i had to go to Mayo Clinic in another state and spend a month. And it was not wise for me to continue to homeschool my children. I literally could not, I was so sick. But people judged us so much. And my husband and I had prayed and done what we really believed was the best thing for our family at that time. I could not properly educate my children, but the judgment that I got, the things that people said to me, what, and here I was so sick. And and having that made it so difficult and I, you don't have to be in a difficult situation like I was. But when you go harshly against another woman because she's having a hospital birth and you think home birth, it can be so hurtful to your sister in Christ. And I, I think oftentimes we aren't being gracious in the way that we dogmatically tell our opinions about the things that we feel strongly about.
2: Um, I, I totally, I totally agree.
1: I I wanted to say I've been very blessed to have a wonderful, wonderful best friend. I've got two best friends and I've known one of them for almost 40 years and the other one for, for almost 23 and, or 22 years. And both of my best friends have made decisions differently than I have on things. And it's been such a good lesson, I think, for each of us. Like, I'll, I'll just give a shout out to my friend, Kim, who has nine children and, and home birthed all of them. And not one time, not one time ever has she made me feel bad or uncomfortable or judged for not doing home birth. And mm-hmm. I think she's just been such a good example to me and how I react to other people who do things differently than than I have chosen. So right. So idols and this is this became controversial in the group recently on whether good things can be idols. And maybe it seems odd to bring this up now, but I think sometimes we can make idols out of these things out of, you know, if you're somebody who does attachment parenting like I did, which is, you know, demand feeding and sleeping with your baby and wearing your baby and stuff like that, where you just elevate this to this to this thing that is so important. And Mm -hmm. I think maybe the judge judging other people who don't make the same decisions as you can flow from that actually.
2: Yeah. And that's interesting. The discussion about can good things become idols Um, because it's, I don't know about you, but in my life, it seems like usually that's what my idols are. They're the good things in my life, my husband, my job, my um, just my church, even like there's, it just, there's not my church as an idol, that sounded weird, but just how, how I am in the church and, and, you know, just certain things where, um, they're good, they're good things in my life. And I, tr- I turned them into idols. I mean, our hearts are, are idol factories, right? So it makes sense that we're going to turn even good things into idols.
1: Well, let's, let's see what the Heidelberg Catechism says about idols. Heidelberg Catechism says, what is idolatry? Idolatry is having or inventing something in which one trusts in, in place of, or alongside of the only true God who has revealed himself in the word. And that's what sometimes you can trust in your kind of parenting for your children's salvation for instance instead of trusting in god for your children's salvation that was something that i was very guilty of i was trusting often in myself and the things that i did for my children's salvation if i do these things then my child will grow up to be godly and obedient and walk with the lord instead of trusting in the lord and so according to the heidelberg catechism that is
2: idolatry huh. yeah and it seems like Those are really good things, you know, catechizing your kids and family worship. And those are really great things, but you can't elevate them to a place they shouldn't be.
1: No, we have to trust in God alone. And you know what? Let me just say this to our listeners. You will not do this perfectly and you will trust in other things constantly (laughs) because we, like Ashley said, we are idol factories. (laughs) Yes. You will be trusting in things that you shouldn't instead of in God. I think it's a constant thing, a constant life of repentance and learning to trust in the Lord.
2: Uh Uh-huh. And I think what comes with idolatry, it goes hand in hand is having like unrealistic expectations. I've seen this with every like new stage of life that I enter. Like when you're engaged and you're thinking about being married and, like, your expectations are, like, through the roof. And then you get married and realize, like, my expectations were so unrealistic. And I imagine I'll have a similar experience um, after I have this baby. Uh, but it's just, like, we we make such an idol out of, like, things that are to come. like Like, I said this to myself probably a thousand times. Like, once I get to this point in my life, this will be better. Or... Once I just complete my master's degree or if I just do this and it's like it's almost like I'm on a hamster wheel like I'm never actually going to get out of that cycle of if I can just you know have this baby or just like it's it's very I don't know it's very hard to keep up with and it's 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 idolatry, you know, thinking, thinking the next thing is going to solve all your problems.
1: You know, Ashley, I think that's, I think that's absolutely right. Exactly. Exactly what you said. I was thinking about that too earlier with the post that we talked about in the beginning of the show where I was like, I'm going to be the perfect wife. I'm going to keep the house perfectly clean. I'm going to like make the best meals. And I did. I, I mean, back then we have the internet, so I went to the library and I had all these like gourmet cookbooks, <laughs> and I tried to make these like gourmet meals and I was just going to be good at everything. And if I was good at everything, then I was going to have a perfect marriage. You know, uh-huh. and if, I, if I did everything right for my kids, then I was going to have, you know, these just well-behaved kids. And I think I've mentioned this before in the episode, but we read a book with our homeschool moms group and it talked about Idols that women have, and it you know it's at a clean house, a good marriage, obedient children, and I was just crushed because I realized those are my idols. Yeah, I made idols out of these things, and yeah, and the other thing is, so I wanted to kind of get get into dealing with these things because I know a lot of women are out there going, I know, I know, but how do I deal with all of it? And it's it's not easy. I think sometimes taking a social media break is necessary. What do you think? Because you've done that before. I've done it before.
2: Well, in the beginning, we talked about how moms are under a lot of pressure these days because there's so much on social media. And I've actually, I haven't experienced experienced this yet, obviously, because I haven't had my baby, but I've heard from moms that they, let's say you have a two-year-old and you're following this other mom who has a baby that was born a month after you or something. And you're like, wow, that two-year-old seems a lot more advanced than my two-year-old. Like they're talking more or they're, you know what I mean? Like those things just creep up where you're like comparing, like before you have kids, you're comparing you and your life. And then after you have kids, like moms have told me that you're like feeling this pressure because you're like, wow, you know, he's one and he's like 20 pounds more than my kid. Or, he, you know, he's he's walking more, he's talking more, he's whatever it is. And um, I just think um, if you find yourself doing that, it might be a good idea to take a break um, from that.
1: And it's so with things like that, like you were talking, walking, talking. I mean, I have four children. My My oldest son, he was the most amazing talker. Like people <clears throat> used to walk up to me and be like, he just said a full sentence, and he's like not even a year and a half old yet, you know. But my second child barely said any words by two, you know. Yeah. And, and if you go to your pediatrician and you see the list, they'll ask you, how many words do they say, you know, are they sitting up, you know. There's actually a pretty, there's several months that are acceptable. So yeah, for them to yeah. start. Yeah, so a you can have an 18-month-old who's talking in sentences and a two-year-old that only says 10 words, and those are both within acceptable, and it doesn't, if your two-year-old is only saying 10 words, it actually doesn't mean that he's not smart.
2: Yeah, I I actually have a family member who didn't talk at like barely at all until he was like five, and it's because his older brother would do all the talking for him, and now he's an architect, and so it's like... It wasn't, he wasn't not smart. He just didn't, his brother talked, so he didn't really feel the need to talk until he was much older. So people get, people get just really worried about things like that. And I understand. Yeah,
1: my kid isn't as smart or like my kids, three of them actually did talk early, but three of my kids were late walkers. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm glad I did, wasn't on social media at the time because, you know, when someone's like, my child was walking at seven months. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, my child is 15 months and just starting walking. Yeah. <laughs> and if and I actually, we had a pastor's wife and she, I said to her one day, I said, my kids just walk late. She said, do you hold them all the time? And I said, uh, yeah. And she said, my son right there. And she pointed to her high school son. She said, he's the star basketball player. He didn't walk till 15 months. And I said, okay, I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's funny. And, but I would say just firstly don't compare yourself with other moms. Your child is different. My mom had gone to a seminar once. She was a teacher and they they talked about not are you smart, but how are you smart? And I've learned that with my kids. They each have things that they are that that they are good at. You know, one of them may have talked early, but another one maybe did something else because they're just two very different children that have different strengths. But don't compare, compare yourself. And if you're struggling with that, take a social media break. Yeah, you know, protect yourself from from things that are causing um, you to stumble.
2: Really, it's causing you to envy and um, all sorts of things. And one of the reasons I took I took a really long social media break. And one of the reasons I did it was just because I found that I was being more influenced by the people I was interacting with on social media than people I have in my real life. And I was changing my mind on things that I, because I would interact with people on Facebook groups or whatever. And like, oh, no, maybe I do think that way, like politically or, you know, theologically or whatever. And I was like, I just don't really want to be so influenced online. Like I, I want to be influenced by my church and my husband and, uh, my friend's here, you know, so I need to take a step back and, you know, um, but I, I can see for moms, it, it would be the same way. Uh, when you start to put pressure on yourself, especially if you're, you're friends with all these moms on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and you're seeing all these things that they're doing with their kids and you begin to think that's what I should be doing, you know, because you're just seeing it all the time. And, um, I don't know. It's just not good for your heart, I think.
1: No, I I, I agree with that. And another thing I wanted to say is, is be confident in the decisions that you make. Remember that you make the best decisions for your family. If you, let's just say you're somebody who's pregnant right now, like Ashley, and you're trying to decide, am I going to vaccinate my children. I'll use that as an example. You and your husband together need to do the research. You need to pray and you need to come to the best decision for your family. And then you need to be confident about it. I I will tell people if I see somebody change their mind on something on on social media, I'll say, um, no, you cannot. Like somebody was like, oh, I think I understand baptism now. Maybe I believe it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want you to agree with me, but go study go study for a while. Do not be influenced like what Ashley was saying.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. I think, and I think it is, I mean, there is an aspect of like older women in the church are charged with, um, like mentoring younger women. And so like seek out women in your church. Cause it's not like you're on an Island making these decisions. I just think you need to make sure you're seeking out the right people. And so I'll ask women at my church and, um, especially the ones that are five years ahead of me. um, That's really helpful because like they just did the newborn thing and I'll ask some questions. I mean, goodness gracious, have you seen some of the things you can register for on these baby registries? It's like, I I mean, it's ridiculous how many things you can, so I'm like, what do I even need to register for? So we were at a friend's house the other night and they were like, well, we got this and this, but we found we didn't use this at all and, you know, things like that. Um, so, you know, I don't, it, it could sound like we're advocating like you make a decision on the island. It's not what we're advocating because you are placed in a local body of believers and you should lean on those people to help you, help you make decisions, especially those that are experienced in the area that you're, you're about to enter.
1: That, that's really, that's really good too It's going to, going to older women. You know, we know that there's wisdom in many counselors going, if you're not sure on something, you know, going and saying, you know, I'm just not sure and, and weighing the positives and negatives, because a lot of things have both positives and negatives, you know, whether you schedule or demand feed or things like that. There's often, you know, you can, I, my mom had always taught me to make a list of the, of the positives and negatives. So that's what Mm -hmm. I would, that's what I often did. And, but I think this is the most important thing I'm going to say today and that is be respectful of your sisters in Christ and encourage them. And I wrote this down and when a friend makes a decision that you wouldn't make, that's not a sin issue, support her in that. Don't judge her because her preferences are different. If it's not a sin issue, you're actually not called to judge her.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there there are there's a lot of gray and there there are there are cases where you need to step in and say something to your sister in Christ, but not because she's choosing to um demand feed and you're choosing to schedule feed. <laughs> like that's not that's not a confrontation like rebuke type thing. Like you you need to I guess use wisdom, you know, to figure out when when you say something and when you don't.
1: And, you know, we kind of have focused on the baby stuff because of Ashley, but this goes, I deal with this now with my kids that are older. You have things like, you know, this mom over there lets her children watch such and such TV show. This mom over there does not. One thing my friends and I learned, like if it was whether our kids were going to see a certain movie or read a certain book or those sorts of things, that there were sometimes things that I chose not to let my children do, but my friend over here had things that she chose not to let her children do that I let my children do that we together made wise decisions with our husbands for our family, you know, that this is not a movie that we think is going to be wise for our family to see, but someone else may have decided differently. I mean, if they're not like, you know, sitting their kids in front of porn, which I don't think is really happening, um, you know, I think that we can be respectful and, um, I mean, there's almost like the parent police out there. Yeah, you let your kids do that. I, that. I mean, that's what you deal with when they when they get older. You let your kids watch that, you know, and that uh-huh. sort of thing. But then you might talk to that person and realize you actually didn't let your kids read such and such a book that she let her kids read. Right. Well, we we have to make wise decisions for for our own family. But I think being respectful, you don't have to agree with your sister's decision to be respectful of her
2: mm-hmm. yeah like you probably don't want to take your four-year-old to go see the it movie that just came out
1: right probably not wise
2: but I do know someone who did that um but <laughs> you know I know there's a lot of gray in what kids are allowed to watch um, Yeah.
1: And i would say make wise make wise decisions and you know my husband and i sometimes went to our pastor when we weren't sure i mean i Uh talked in the harry potter episode that we talked to our pastor about it actually because we just we weren't sure and and he was very helpful in in that Uh uh-huh yeah so and i want to talk a little bit about encouragement especially for you young moms I think it's hardest when you have young kids or you're pregnant with your first. And the first thing is trust in the Lord. Mm -hmm. When you're making those decisions, pray about them and and trust the Lord, you know, ask for wisdom. But also remember that to not let yourself be overwhelmed with caring about what other people think, because I think that's when a lot of discouragement comes. Is you'd probably be judged for regardless of what decision you make by somebody. I actually think what Ashley said about choosing not to talk about certain things on social media is actually very wise.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think um, because you get your feelings hurt on stuff, if people, you know, and people are a little more brash on social media. Like, you would never say that to a person in real life, but you'll say it on on Facebook or Twitter or something. Um but i think another encouragement is to and i'm saying this as a younger woman is to befriend befriend an older woman in your church um, because you can learn a lot from older women and and that's what older women are called to do in the church and um i think sometimes older women don't know how to help or how to start you know those kinds of relationships so you can always approach them and and ask them. And I think women in the church will just love that.
1: Yeah. Um I actually I I had a woman come I have a couple girls that I mentor, but I had a woman come to me and say, you know, will you be that woman to me? I need somebody. And and I was very happy, happy to do it. And I think sometimes you get someone a little older, not that I'm always wise, but that has kind of been through some of this that can be respectful of your decisions and encourage you. You want an older woman who encourages you in the decisions that you make. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And one thing we talked about in our episode with David Van Drunen is how motherhood is our vocation. I mean, well, you have vocation of teacher, Ashley, Uh but motherhood is also our vocation. We're not just out there winging it. This is someplace that God has put us.
2: Yeah and you're you're doing it to the glory of god um i mean i <clears throat> i'm sure this will help me when i'm a mom but it, it helps me as a teacher when i go to work on days where i i don't really feel like teaching and i don't want to be there um it helps me uh, something my pastor says often is you're living before an audience of one um before others you have nothing Nothing to lose, nothing to prove, and nothing to gain. Um, And so I have to remember when I'm doing my job right now, which is teaching, um, I'm doing it before God. I'm not doing it to please other people, and it changes the way I work. Um, It changes the way I work in a big way. Um, What I'm not thinking about that, and not focusing on that, um, I'm not as good of an employee You know, so I think as a mom, that's helpful, too, to remember you're 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 not you're not being a mom so that other moms can see how good of a mom you are. You're you're doing it before God, before the audience of one.
1: Yeah, that that's really good. Actually, when you were talking, I was thinking, I wonder if if what other people think of me can become an idol almost where Mm -hmm. I trust in others, people approval of me more than I'm trusting
2: in in God sorry, I think that would be fear of man, where your fear of man is just so consuming. And I actually read a book about fear of man. Maybe I'll look it up real quick if anyone's interested. Um, But um, I learned that fear of man is, it's not just, um, yeah, the book is called When People Are Big and God is Small. Um, And it's, it can even look like the person who's just trying to be perfect you know like they're perfectionist and because they're so they're so afraid if they misstep you know what people will think and it's they're just seeing people as really big and god is really small so if that's something you struggle with i really recommend that book he he's really really great um So one of the things he talks about in this book, yeah, one of the things he says is he talks about how we should fear the Lord. And when we fear the Lord, uh, our focus is on holiness and glorifying God in our holiness. Um, And if we're fearing man instead of the Lord, our focus is just on self-improvement, not on any real like actual heart change. And so we're just trying to outwardly change things to look better in front of other people. And so I think, I think as wives and moms, we can totally do that sometimes, Um, if not a lot of the time, um, there's a pressure to just outwardly look a certain way. And we're not really concerned so much with holiness, but what other people think of, of us and so, yeah, I, re- I really re- recommend that book. That was really helpful for me. I'm I'm someone who's a perfectionist. I always want to do a good job. I always want to be the best. I'm super competitive, um, and so I don't always see that as fear of man. And it was helpful for this book to show me that that's totally fear of man. Why do you want to be the best? And <laughs> um, you know, so good at everything all the time. You're not trying to glorify God, you know. So. Um, Yeah, I I just think that could be helpful for moms as well.
1: You know, I I hadn't thought of this before, but I think there's a book that I would like to recommend also. And that is Jerry Bridges book, Trusting God. I think, again, ultimately one thing I've really been thinking a lot about recently is how so many the the foundational issue that really causes so many of my problems is a lack of trust in God.
2: I'm trusting yeah. in
1: other things instead of trusting in God.
2: Yeah, and I remember one of my, one of my, um, when I was in like a small group, of leaders. Uh, she said <clears throat> that it, you can tell when you're not trusting in God when you go through a trial. Uh, it might you might be fine until you get to that trial, and they <laughs> she said that like, and when you go through a trial the sponge gets squeezed and all the sin just oozes out and you didn't necessarily see it you know until something really difficult happened and then you see all this underlying sin that's been there all the whole time um like not trusting in the lord and so <laughs> i can definitely relate to that
1: well i would say that's definitely true of me when i when i started getting sick and and going through a lot of stuff is when I really realized how much I was trusting in other things other than trusting in God. And I was in a place where those other things were not helping me (laughs) and I (laughs) needed to learn to trust in God. And it's very difficult. It's very difficult, but, but a good exercise (laughs) in learning to trust the Lord when you have unknown things that are out of your control. You know, Mm -hmm. if you have an illness, And it's just out of, out of your control that you don't know if you're going to get better. And you have to learn to trust God and learn to be content. We talked about that on last, on our episode two weeks ago, but learning to be content in the difficult times. Ashley was talking about, you know, that problem I think a lot of us, the grass is greener on the other side. You know, I'll be good when, when I get married, when I have a baby, when I get my master's, you know, all these, all these, you know, if if this and if that, but learning to be content in whatever circumstance that the Lord has you in right now. Cause I promise mm-hmm. you, if you think I'll be happy when you're, you're not going to be happy when mm-hmm. I promise you, you yeah. because when that <clears throat> when happens, it'll be something else that you say, well, when this, when this, and, and we're right. called to be content regardless of what situation
2: we're in. Right. I remember thinking, oh, because we we lived in apartments for the first, you know, two years we were married and I just hated living in apartments like it just lived in like three or four different ones and you have to deal with landlords. And I was like, once we own a home, like just, you know, it's going to be so much better. We're going to have a backyard. We're going to have all these things. And then you buy a house and you're like, oh, man, there's things breaking. We have to fix them. And. Gosh, it costs so much money to do this or that, you know, like it's just there's always something waiting on the other side much
1: um, work.
2: It is a lot of work where I was like Like something happened the other day and I was like man if we were renting we could have just called the landlord and they would have fixed it but <laughs> yeah. my husband had to my husband's actually really good at just like he YouTubes whatever it is and watches a video on YouTube and then does it, which is really awesome. But, um, I'm like, oh, it'd be nice if we could just call a landlord or something. So
1: yeah, that, my, my husband does that also. So, oh, you know, I just, before, before we go to, yeah, about that, I did want, I forgot I had wanted to address something that's come up in the group. And that is a lot of women have, will say my husband and I are not on the same page. You know, my husband wants to vaccinate the kids. I don't or my husband thinks we should do this parenting. My husband, I really want to have a home birth. My husband wants me to have a hospital birth. So how does mm-hmm. a woman deal with that, Ashley? And I mean, go listen to our our, um, our series on biblical manhood, womanhood, that's what you do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I have found with things like that, uh, thankfully my husband and I, we mostly agree. Uh, but there's been times on certain things we don't agree. and just by talking it out like a lot a lot usually one person will be convinced of the other person's view i mean i think ultimately like my husband does feel very strongly about hospital births and i um i guess i do too but not as strongly as he does so i think ultimately if i was not wanting to do that i think i would have to submit to my husband because he feels very strongly about it um but <laughs> thankfully like we agree. But I've I just I mean, have you found that that just by talking things through eventually like one person sees the other and goes, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like that is that is better. Yeah, and, and not
1: always but I will I will tell you one thing I noticed when my husband and I would we, we agree on most things, but what I what would happen, and this is what I realized, is that let's just say He had one view. I had the other. If I came on strongly, he was only going to dig his feet deeper into his view. And I realized that it always worked out a lot better if I just stopped and prayed and gave it some time. But if I came on strongly with my view, he was only going to become more strong and his and not necessarily listen to what I had to say. And, and sometimes he comes and says, you know what, you're right. And sometimes I come and say, you know what, you're right. And, and sometimes I still don't agree with him. And, and I just pray that the Lord gives me peace and respect for him in that thing.
2: Yeah. I had a friend who said, if you want to confront your husband on something, pray about it for a week and then do it, which maybe some things are more timely and you have to do it right away. But um, I found that whenever I do that, um, usually my heart changes after that week, um, which is always kind of funny. You're like, Lord, please change my husband's heart. <laughs> and then like your heart's like, oh, okay, like soften to something. So uh, yeah, it's just and kind of I, funny. I
1: know it's not always easy. My husband and I see something. We're, we're looking at buying a A motorhome that will be kind of when he retires or probably get it before he retires and he'll slowly stop and i just what i want and what he wants is two totally different things (laughs) and i'm tempted to kind of get upset and like but i really want what i want and i just had to like you know what i just need to pray and look at what he wants and tell him what i think and we'll see what happens so well, we'll go do a quick commercial and come back for yeah about that
0: looking for that perfect track for your next evangelism outreach look no further at trackplanet.com we have solid biblical tracks that are a breeze to hand out they are beautifully designed and are the highest quality tracks available with over 80 different designs in stock and literally hundreds more available by custom order we're sure to have just the right one for you You can get any of our items printed with your church or ministry information or have us design a brand new tract just for you. We are committed to the solid biblical message of law to the proud and grace to the humble. Each tract is firm on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the necessity of repentance and faith in salvation. Come check us out at tractplanet.com and make sure you use coupon code BTWN at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's T R A C T planet.com. coupon code BTWN.
1: So Actually, I think you have a yeah about that for yeah. this week. I've been, t- I think we've been trying to save them when we find them uh-huh. a-, a little bit more.
2: Yeah. Apologize to my listeners. I'm like super congested still, but all right. This one says, it doesn't matter how many Sundays you sit in church or if you think you are saved. God sees what you do and how you treat people. That's what really matters.
1: Yeah, about that. I think the gospel is missing from that right there. Yeah. That's that's what's ultimately. I just read that and see law. Right, there's there's no gospel because ultimately, actually, that my my thought is, oh no, God sees what I do. <laughs> That's really
2: <scary. laughs>
1: so sinful and wicked. So it's so difficult because I know that people who write this sort of thing mean wow, I I know what they're trying to say. They're trying to say. I, I mean, I think what they're really trying to say: it doesn't matter if you think you're saved and and that you go to church, but you also need to be living like a Christian. The problem is, is that's all law without any gospel. You, it, when Ashley was talking about, it, it's 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 going to motivate you to self improvement, not looking to Christ. So that that's kind of my my first thoughts, and I always feel like so condemned at stuff like that, like. There's no hope for me then, you know, instead of instead of the gospel and Christ and and where our hope is found. My hope is not found on the things that I do. My hope is found in Christ alone.
2: Um when I read things like this, it it sounds like nominal Christian, like the mantra of nominal Christians. Like whenever I know a lot of people because I grew up in like an evangelical church. I know a lot of people who still claim the title Christian, but don't ever set foot in church. Nothing in their lives would remotely look like they're Christian. And this is exactly what they would say. Well, it doesn't matter if I go to church. God knows I'm a good person. And I'm like, if you think you're a good person, that's that's not good. Like, you know.
1: You need the gospel.
2: <laughs> uh, you, yeah, you, you need the gospel because it, you know, you, you obviously don't, <clears throat> you obviously don't really understand what the Bible's about because you're missing that part. Um, so that, I mean, it's sad, but I feel like in our country, we just have so many people that are, that are nominally Christian, you know, in name only and, um, they think, yeah, I'm just a, I'm a good person, and so that's all that really matters.
1: Yeah, it actually reminds me too of the sort of thinking. I think it was on Twitter I saw something, and it was about like transgender, or homosexual marriage, or something like that. And someone was like, "Well, I'm," you know, they were arguing for the homosexual Christians uh-huh. position, and while I'm more Christian than you because I, I show love to people, and it it's it's very i don't know american yeah. sort of thing being a christian is about loving people but what they really mean is is about loving people's sin you know yeah. so being a christian is loving the things god hates yeah that's not christian is. but ultimately i think it's because of a wrong and unbiblical understanding of sin and of law mm-hmm. and gospel
2: really yeah which sets us up for our next episode pretty nicely. Right. It's like live. we need to do a whole episode on law and gospel. Yes. Why that's important.
1: I think that's what we'll do next time. <laughs>
2: well,
1: <laughs> I, I appreciate all of all of you joining us and we we appreciate that you're listening. We appreciate the the notes that we get sometimes. We're and we're grateful for our are men and women, although I think they probably have more women. Actually, I'm going to, when I put on Twitter, I have to say this, when I put on Twitter that we were doing the episode on Mommy Wars and some other things, Fred Butler, so I'll do a shout out to him, said Mommy Wars sounds like a good one. So not that he's going <laughs> to listen, but in case he did.
2: <laughs> didn't a shout, shout out to him. To
1: him. So, um, but... You can find us on com and click on Theology Gals somewhere if you want to support us. There's a link on all of our episodes to our Patreon. You can support us even two, three dollars a month. And I think that's it. So we have a, a lot of stuff this year that we're really excited about and we appreciate you joining us. So we'll see you next week.